1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 197, BGG's Top 100, Rise or Fall. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. Anthony, by the time this episode comes out, you and I will be on transit to the one and only PAX Unplugged 2018 I know we talked a lot about this. We are not being sponsored. We're just really super, super amped up for this amazing con and the opportunity to get a chance to meet and play with all of you listeners out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a, was my favorite con last year, for sure. I got way more gaming in than I typically do. So once again, very, very excited for this, especially because I don't, you know, fall winter cons, not really a thing. So it's been a while. I haven't really been to a con since Gen Con and... That's a whole other beast, so uh, it'll be fun.
1: But we're bringing you a new episode for this week's feature. We are jumping back to Board Game Geek's Top 100 list and letting you know the definitive once-in-a-lifetime decision process whether a board game on that Top 100 list deserves to rise
0: or fall. Well, we did something like this about a year ago, and we were just looking at the list and comparing it against where the list was a year ago and saw that about a quarter of it had fallen off completely either replaced with games that were up and comers or new games altogether. So I was like, huh, well, I wonder what's not going to be there next year. So (laughs) let's, let's talk about that.
1: So we're going to let you know which games that we've played should definitely rise up on the list and deserves your attention and which board games out there probably just got a lot of fan buzz early on and deserve to kind of fall off that list. So that's what we got for our feature review. But we also want to let you know about some upcoming episodes, our special episode 200 and our special episode 201 that are coming up. Anthony? Yeah, guys, the uh, big episode, obviously, number 200, number
0: 201, 200. We're going to be doing a kind of a special spin revisit of our um, of our personal top games. We're going to be sharing with you uh, our personal top lists, which have not been updated in a couple years, years, uh, not since way back at episode 100. And then we're going to share your top games. We ran a contest back in October. We had almost 300 entries, people telling us what their top 20 board games were. So we're going to have a special episode devoted just to that, where I'm going to reveal the list to everybody in the world, including Chris, and we'll see what you guys picked as your top games. Uh, We've already actually picked our winner. Adam won the contest, and he's actually going to get a sneak peek of the list a little bit beforehand so he can pick out which game he wants before Christmas. But everybody else is going to find out at the exact same time uh, when episode 201 goes up.
1: Exciting. (laughs) I told you that soundboard would come in handy someday. You're like, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. And you don't use it. And then when you finally do use it, I almost spit out my water. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go through our top 100, a revised list. And then we're going to talk about the most important list, the 201 list your top games how about something for our listeners out there that help us bring a new episode each and every week
0: yeah like i said we ran a contest back in october and that was for literally everybody but every now and then we like to run a a special contest to say thank you to our patreon backers so we're doing that again here in december I'll have details up probably after we get back from pax i'll get that up on the website but it'll be a chance for anybody who is a patreon backer you will be entered into this contest and be able to um take home a game so we'll have a list of the games that are available and how you can enter to win and make sure that we know that you are on that list run a contest for about two weeks probably just to again to make sure we're wrapped up before the holidays and we'll send out a game to somebody who uh is among the backers and again we like to make sure we run contests for everybody not just for patreon backers but we do like to give a special thank you uh, especially this time of year to to everybody who helps us bring these episodes to you every week
1: but Anthony, what if you're not a Patreon backer, but you want to get in on the contest? How would you go about that? Well, Chris, thanks for asking.
0: Patreon.com slash BGA. You can, you can join us. You can hop in there. Um, there are multiple different backing levels. Any backing level will get you into kind of the contest pool. And we have these kind of broader contests. We do have a special contest pool as well. When we reach our, our goal, um, to, to at the producer level, where if you back $5 uh, a month or more, you'll be entered for possible uh rewards every single week. Uh, every episode will have some kind of giveaway. And that's something we're working towards, hopefully in the new year, uh, very soon. But other stuff on there, you can join us in our Slack group, you can let us know what episodes you want to hear, you can listen to our bonus episodes, uh, special content that we put up every now and then extra stuff that's only available to backers. So lots and lots of cool stuff. Uh, again thank you to everybody who does do that and if you are interested or want to be in the contest pool uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash bga and sign up there
1: all right so a lot of good stuff that's upcoming obviously packs obviously 200 and 201 the episodes you should definitely listen to that are coming up and our brand new contest so anthony lots of stuff going on with bga but most importantly what's going on with our listeners What's our question of the week? All right. So because last week was a
0: holiday and I was not using my computer, I crowdsourced. I asked the listeners in one of our questions of the day, uh, what do you want me to ask? And so I have a couple (laughs) of these. And this week, we're going to hear from Chris Jarvis. This is his question. And next week, we'll have another one. But he asked, would you rather see more licensed board games of big IPs from other media such as film or video games, or do you prefer the hobby to build its own worlds and characters like near and far, forbidden desert, sky, etc.? So that was uh, from Chris. Thank you, Chris, for submitting a question. Got a lot of good answers here. Um, Dead Squirrel says, I think a healthy dose of both is a good thing. A well known IP pushes developers to try to obtain an expected feel while still providing a game and an original universe that gives freedom to try new things and experiment more. Ev says both as well. The game mechanics are more important than the IP. In saying that, though, a well-known IP will certainly bring in a larger gaming audience to try a game than an IP that is not familiar. Uh, John says no preference. If it's a good licensed property game, I'll play it. If it's a good original IP game, I'll play it. I think that's kind of the boat I fall into, uh, unless it's Star Wars, and then I'll play it even if it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) and then drew says i have mixed feelings about this i don't think most transitions into a big franchise into their own board game usually works however saying that if they want to start in a place that is some story and then add lore and stories to the world over time through expansions then i'd be even more accepting of that so i think this is kind of the the big back and forth these days you see it with like companies like fantasy flight that keeps trying to make terra not a thing Lots of games, some of them very successful, but none of them as successful as like Star Wars or Game of Thrones. And I think that's almost always going to be the case because non gamers are going to buy those, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. It's something that you're seeing more and more at like the GameStop locations where video games and other forms of media are typically purchased for kind of like gifts and things like that. And there's always a copy of Monopoly with some totally pasted on themes. So It's nice to see quality IP games that are real board games kind of sneak into those places because people pick them up and they learn there's other mechanics and things you could do other than monopolize a particular theme. That being said, I really would love to see, you know, more board game unique themes just because there needs to be more representatives of the board gaming industry other than the iconic meeple. There just needs to be something else out there because when you say board games, what pops into people's mind is the meeple or maybe a chess piece or a checker piece. It's really too generic. We need something else. We need to have our own specific little tiny universe. And hopefully that'll bring people into board gaming as a whole. So we'll see what's coming up. There's a lot more to be said about this on our top 100 list. So Anthony, a lot of good stuff coming up. Obviously, everyone can follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com. Did you know we have a guild on Board Game Geek? Did you know that we're on YouTube. There's a lot of places to find us, and obviously, Pack Some Plugs is a place you'll be able to find us as well. So, Anthony, with all of that said, let's get on to the games that we want to get on to. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders this week.
0: Alrighty. First up on my list is, uh, this was not super recently announced, but I'm still very excited for it, and that is Pandemic, Fall of Rome. Annual thematic re-release of Pandemic. Uh, Matt Leacock and Paolo Mori. So, every year they release something that's themed after a location. Last year it was Rising Tide, uh, I think based in the Netherlands. The year before that was Iberia, uh, based in 18th century, 19th century Spain. I have Iberia. It's my favorite version of Pandemic. I actually quite like it. And I think this one might jump up on the list as well. So what it does is it re-envisions the Pandemic me- mechanics in the 5th century Roman Empire, when years of corruption and economic crisis and a military that just isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, pave way for all these barbarians to kind of incur into the Roman Empire. So the Anglo-Saxons, the Goths, the Vandals, the Huns. And your job is to move throughout the map of Europe and basically protect everything from... These barbarians coming in, very similar to what you'd see in like a Pandemic, but with a lot of new mechanics mixed in as well. Any good Pandemic game, there are unique roles you can play. It's cooperative, of course. It's going to be working with everybody else to kind of protect everything as you go. And the thing that really got my attention is that it has a dedicated solo mode, which I'm not sure any Pandemic has had before. You can play any of them solo, but I don't know if they have had like dedicated, unique rules. But in this one, you play the Emperor And you have to command three different roles to try to protect the city from the different hordes that are trying to invade. Very, very interesting ideas. I just like this whole idea in general of kind of taking the core mechanics of Pandemic and applying it to different things where you're protecting something from something else. I know that sounds really vague, but that's kind of the point. It's this framework that can fit on top of other things. And then you tweak the rules to make it work. So this is the fourth or fifth one they've done of this, uh, if you count Cthulhu in there as well. And I think... It, to me, at least, it looks to be a pretty good one. I have not had a chance to play it yet, of course. So hopefully I get a chance to do that soon. and I can let you guys know what I think. So anyways, that is my acquisition do- disorder this week. Pandemic Fall of Rome.
1: Yeah, I like to see this. This kind of reminds me of Defenders of the Realm. Because Defenders of the Realm basically takes the pandemic mechanism, puts into play and in kind of like these massive evil armies heading towards the capital. So... It's kind of similar in that way. So maybe this is a pandemic that I'd actually like to get to the table. Yeah, that'd be something. All right. Well, a game that I want to talk about is a Kickstarter that will back and back very quickly by the time you listen to this episode. It wraps up on Friday, November 30th at 9 p.m. So by the time this episode comes out, you'll have a day or two to check this out. This is Luna, the brand new deluxified edition. Uh, Tasty Minstrels bringing back Stefan Feld's Luna game. Now, they recently brought it back and reprinted the game because it was out of print for a while. And that was pretty cool. It was pretty much a standard reproduction. Nothing too crazy, nothing different as far as I was concerned about the game. This edition does have some differences to it. I've obviously, Tasty Minstrel for the last couple of years have been taking games that have gone out of print, brought them back on Kickstarter and kind of, for lack of a better term, sincerely, you know, bling them out to a point where they're going for $75, $85, $100 for a game that typically was running about $40 or $50. So if you haven't played Luna, it's all about this moon priestess who is looking for her successor. And each of us at the table are trying to vie for that role. And we're using our novice meeples to be able to pray properly, take resources, explore these different islands. And in particular, there is this main board in which you are trying to set yourself up in such a way that you can knock out the other novices, but hold your own positions based upon the number that you place on. So the higher the number, the stronger you are, the more you're able to knock everyone else out. This mechanism has been used in a number of other games, And basically jumping around on the islands has been using like Altiplano previously. So you've seen a lot of these mechanisms before, but Luna kind of did it first and kind of did it best. Now, what you get in this new version is basically everything is kind of upgraded. So you can have the punch tiles in the cardboard version that's still available. But if you're looking for the higher tiers here, you're looking at metal coins because that's typically what Kickstarter does you're looking at oversized silk-screened wooden meeples, and you're looking at some just various little touches here and there as far as artwork concerned. But basically everything is the same from the original version as far as artwork and gameplay is concerned. There are some additions to the game. So a little kind of like, I wouldn't say it's expansions to the game, maybe a little, I guess, Queensies as far as it's concerned, like a little different tokens here and a little different opportunity to play here. Nothing radically different. If you have Luna, I don't believe there's really anything that's going to kind of like necessitate the deluxified version for for $79. But if you don't have Luna, you do enjoy the game and you do want to go out for the completely blinged out version. This is definitely a nice option for you. Luna, the brand new deluxified edition, as I mentioned, will wrap up on Friday, November 30th. Check it out. As I mentioned, $79 for the deluxified version, but you can also pick it up for $55 if you're looking for the generic version, or if you're looking just for the Metal Moon tokens and the new content, you can pick that up for $25. I'm still on the
0: fence about this. I mean, I have the last version they did, but it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I don't I don't know how many more deluxified versions of games I really want, like, Especially for an older game, that'll be harder to get to the table. Like it makes sense, like something new, like I got the Yokohama, that one gets played, but this one's a tough sell for me.
1: Yeah, that tends to be an issue, although Brass did quite well when that came back out to the table. So sometimes having something nice and pretty that wasn't so nice and pretty, although I really wish they would have updated the artwork here. All right, Anthony, so those are Acquisition Disorders, deluxified or not, let's talk about the games that were hitting our table this past week. And we'll let you know whether those games are a buy and you should go out and buy those games right away. If those games are a play, you should sit down and check those games out. Those games are a dodge and you should avoid them at all costs. Or if the games are a dreaded burn and they should be burning over your fire. Anthony, what do you have for us this week? All right. Yeah, I got a couple of games I want to talk about.
0: Uh, one, very festive for the season, Santa's Workshop. And the other, a quick expansion I want to share with you guys. Um, So we'll start with Santa's Workshop. This is a uh, Christmas-themed game, as you might be able to tell, from Rio Grande Games and designer Keith Ferguson. Came out last year, but was more or less impossible to find last year, as uh, Rio Grande games often are. It's fairly easy to find now, so if you want a copy, you can go get one. Um, The basic idea of the game, though, is you are elves in Santa's Workshop, you are making toys, and you are doing it by placing your workers in various locations, gathering resources, and completing different cards that require those resources. I would almost say Waterdeep-esque, you know, Elves of Waterdeep. I don't know even what you want to call it, but it it uses a lot of the same ideas. It's very basic in terms of like the worker placement side of things. You have a board, there are multiple different locations you can go. One lets you upgrade each of your elves, which lets them get extra resources, simple enough. Um, There are four different types of resources, We've got metal, fabric, wood, or plastic. You can get new cards. Yeah, I think you can have a maximum of five of these out at any time that you can build from. And then you have the uh, the barn full of the reindeer. And these, I think three or four people can go here, but there are eight reindeer to choose from. And this is where you find your first player marker and some extra stuff if you got locked out of other things. So not a ton of variety. You're basically just moving people out getting enough resources, building up your pool of resources, putting those resources onto your cards to create these different goods, and then completing those items to generate points. The thing about the game that's kind of interesting though is that if you use plastic, it makes something worth less. Not all things can use plastic. And so that's something you have to kind of balance out. You also need assembly tokens. So you can't just like build all the biggest stuff in the game you know, ratchet it all out with plastic and knock out, knock it out really fast because you need a certain number of assembly tokens and those are relatively hard to get. You can get pretty much everything else you want fairly easily, but assembly tokens are hard. You also need coal anytime you go and produce all these resources. So we're kind of managing different types of resources, building them up, trading them in for something else. If none of this sounds particularly thematic, it's because it's not really. Um, it is at its core, very basic worker placement mechanics. Um, with a Christmas game themed around it, which I don't necessarily mind. I think it works generally speaking because you're looking at a two weight game, uh, which is relatively accessible, like again, very water deep esque, but without the backstabbing and that, For me, at least works if you're going to have a game like this, which to me is something you're going to bring out for the family to play, what people are visiting. You're like, hey, it's a Christmas game. Let's all get into it. And it's not awful. I'm kind of torn. Like if it was strictly a game with some other theme, I'd probably say dodge this one. Not very interesting, uh, mechanically speaking. But it's not bad either. It's not like, ugh, this is so boring or it's the same thing I've played 100 times. It's fine. It, It works well. It flows pretty smoothly. Um, the game is relatively quick, maybe an hour or so. And you put on the Christmas theme, you have the different reindeer you can go see. You're trying to balance these things out over the 90s before Christmas. It all works and the family really enjoyed it. So I would say if you're looking for, uh, you know, a medium, mid, light, <laughs> light, medium, weight, Euro-ish type of game that's Christmas themed, because I don't know how many of those there really are, you know, maybe a handful, you could do worse for sure. I mean, it's definitely worth picking up if you need to fill that spot in your collection. I'm going to hold on to it because I think it'll get played every year uh, at least once or twice. And I, I I won't be upset if we do play it every year. Um, but it is certainly not a game I would drag out to game night every week. So it's a... It's a play for people who need it for thematic reasons. For everybody else, I'd say if you're looking at it strictly for mechanics or you really want like a meaty game with a Christmas theme on it, it's probably still a dodge.
1: So that's Santa's work. Yeah, we were just talking about do we want more IPs in games or do we want more original content? But this, strangely enough, is one of those areas that we really don't have enough good games. I know over the last couple of years, I try to pick up some christmas themed games typically they're card games typically they're kind of like you mentioned kind of okay to bad and sometimes even really bad and i don't know why we haven't really just landed on like the christmas game or just like a super great game that's around the kind of christmas theme because i gotta believe it would sell well it's just not getting the ip treatment for those better games
0: yeah yeah i mean i think part of it is just like It only has appeal for a month every year so it'd be harder to sell this game too like the artwork that not even the artwork but the graphic design is not awesome i mean it's a real ground game so it's it's not great but they really could have done much more with this really brighten it up like bring some of those modern board game artists you know to this game because it really looks like something that came out 10 15 years ago and it certainly doesn't help (laughs) like you put this down with gamers and they're like oh how old is this and you're like oh it came out last year They're like oh so again it's not a bad game it's interesting and i like that it has theme and works you know with with i mean it doesn't have theme necessarily but it uses the theme and creates a christmas game that's actually interesting but uh, i wish it was more that is santa's workshop the other one uh this will be pretty quick is terraforming mars colonies this is the new expansion for terraforming mars that is slowly eking its way into stores right now. And this is the one I was most interested in because it adds like a significant new mechanic to the game. Off the bat, you have 49 new project cards, mix them into the deck, make that deck even bigger and more ridiculous. Five new corporation cards, simple enough. And then the colony stuff. So this is what people actually care about, right? The colonies are, there are 11 of them. You're going to put out, mm, I think, six or eight of them uh, when you play the game. So you're not going to use all of these in every game. But the way they work is each of them has a different resource or combination of resources or something you're going to get for going there. The idea being that it produces this thing and you are trading with them to get that thing. To be able to do that, there are a couple things to keep in mind. One, you can build colonies of your own on these moons or, you know, dwarf planets, right? And when you do that, usually you get some kind of bonus, and in the future, if somebody trades there, and you don't have to have a colony there to trade there, if somebody trades there, you're going to get a bonus for having a colony there. It also means that the, uh, there's a little tracker that goes up every round, and when somebody trades there, that tracker goes back down. It doesn't go quite as low if you have a colony there. It's only going to go as far left as the colonies are. Each of these can only have three colonies, so if they're particularly good, people might race for them earlier. Um, you kind of want to look at all of them and think, oh, which of these are people going to like the most? And that's where I'm going to want to go. But they vary a lot. Like one of them, Luna, for example, um, if you go there, you get extra money production. And in the future, if somebody else trades there, you get two money. But as that thing goes up, if nobody goes there for long enough, eventually it's worth 17 money to trade there, which is it's pretty solid, right? The cost of building a colony is decently high at 17, but also some of the cards that get added to the deck allow you to build colonies in new ways. So that's something to keep in mind as well. You only have the one trade ship, but there are two or three cards in the deck now that allow you to build new trade fleets. You could have multiple of them out there. And trade action itself does cost something. So this is the interesting part, is that it costs three energy or three titanium. So, or I believe nine money. If you have an energy engine that you've built up, it's relatively inexpensive to go and trade to these different places. And it's just an extra action on your turn. You can only do it once for each of the ships you have. So usually just once per round. But if you get more ships later on, you can do it a bunch. If you don't have that energy production, it costs you either a decent amount of money or a decent amount of titanium. So it it depends on kind of what you have and what's worth it. I like it a lot though. It adds kind of uh, this push-pull mechanic of when should I invest here? How much should I invest here? Which one is pe- are people going to go to um, that makes sense for them? Do I have any cards that benefit from me doing this? And as is often the case with these expansions, um, it is possible if you have the right corporation. Uh, this was definitely the case with Venus, where you can ignore this stuff completely and still win the game. But it's a fun new thing you can do. It allows you to build up an engine in a new way uh, with new different types of actions and get extra stuff based on what other people do things, which is something that Terraforming Mars did not have up to this point. So uh, with a few exceptions. So I like it. I think it's definitely worth uh, mixing in to the game. I have no reason not to put this back in in the future. It is starting to become a bit unwieldy, though. Like you add this in with the Venus board and everything else, and it takes up a ton of space. So that's something to keep in mind. It is starting to sprawl a little bit from what used to be a relatively small game that didn't take up a ton of table space. But otherwise, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And uh, does again, it manages to add enough stuff without adding too many new th- ideas here that uh, overwhelm people. So it's a Terraforming Mars Colonies. If you like Terraforming Mars and you've played all the other stuff, it's a buy. If you haven't done any of that, I don't know why you would even look at this. So (laughs) this is the fourth expansion.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that the designer and obviously the publisher here, Stronghold, have come to realize that the game has a tragic flaw where it just plays too long. I know that initially there was an extra rule in there which you can move up the tracks and then the different boards kind of help things a little bit along and then the prelude cards kind of sped things up at the beginning. And now we're at Colonies, which is really a kind of finally, at least as far as I'm concerned, a real expansion. Like everything else was kind of fixing things. This is actually something that is going to offer at least a little bit of different gameplay here. So I'm really glad to see that. I really enjoy the game. It definitely needs to be sped up. And as you mentioned, now the deck is getting above and beyond too unwieldy and probably too watered down is going to be a lot of cards in this game i don't know if you can un, you know kind of just like put together certain decks at this point maybe we'll see another expansion that kind of like maybe makes things more i guess mission-based or maybe it takes a kind of legacy model to it or something like that because there were a ridiculous amount of cards in a good way in the original box and then with venus and everything else that came afterwards the deck is only expanded so i'm not sure long term what's going to happen with this but i kind of feel like they can't just keep adding more and more cards to this
0: game yeah it really is an issue like the you'll have games especially like if you get one of those corporations where it's like you can add an extra floater if you get a floater card and you're like i don't know if i'm gonna see floater cards at all and there are a few new floater cards in this expansion to kind of expand on what Venus could do. But even that, it's just there's, you know, 600 cards in this deck now. I don't know. Sure. Like, I don't know what I'm going to see.
1: Yeah, that was a problem with a lot of expansions where it's just more of the same, which is nice to have. But I think that the designer somehow expects us to be able to pull these things out. And I just I'm not going to do that. I'm always going to play with the Venus stuff. I'm always going to play with the Prelude cards. I'm always going to play with all of this stuff because I just can't go through that gigantic deck and separate everything. But I have played with the Venus Corporation, can't think of the name top of my head, where it's like pull out X number of floater cards, and I'm like going through the deck, and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm like, wow, this would have been a nightmare if I was looking for these cards. So yeah, something's got to change a little bit. All right, Anthony, well, I want to talk about a game that you have probably played many times, but this is the legacy version of this this is Ultimate Werewolf Legacy by Ted Elsback, Rob Davio, who you might know a little bit. Rob Davio is known for his legacy games, and he is bringing legacy to Ultimate Werewolf. Now, if you've not played Ultimate Werewolf, I don't know where you live, but typically I might want to come to visit because I can't be honest with you. I'm not a big werewolf fan, but there have been versions of werewolf that I did like quite a lot. I like, I like were words a lot. And, you know, the, the general mechanics of it are just generally decent. It just typically plays too long and it's not really based upon anything in particular, why you're guessing or how you're guessing, with the exception of but some roles that come into play. But Ultimate Werewolf Legacy does do some things different. Now, first off, you do play the typical core game of Werewolf. So you have your villagers, you have your werewolves. The werewolves will wake up each night. They will choose a player to be eliminated. And the villagers hopefully will be able to take out that werewolf before he takes out the entire village. The seer is there who will be able to try to pass you some clues. And that general mechanic has been used in a lot of games. You might see Avalon or Resistance. A lot of games have those mechanics in it. Werewolf kind of like is known for these types of kind of mechanics, especially the other crazy roles that come into play. Now, when you are playing the legacy version of this, there are actually 15 chapters in this legacy game. In Ultimate Werewolf Legacy, you are looking at five chapters, and in each chapter, there are three sessions. So basically, what you're looking at are 15 games in total, and typically, the game recommends that you play one chapter with the same group. Now, you can have members drop out, And new members add in because the game plays from 8 to 16 players. So it has a large player count, which is great for Werewolf because Werewolf typically takes a large player count. But they recommend playing with the same group because they'll really get the feel of the different sessions coming together, the ultimate reward that comes into play. And then other groups, or hopefully the same group, if they play again, they'll say how those things kind of come into play and change a bit. Now, there are some legacy elements that will move on from game to game and the kind of campaign branches off into new ways so so based upon what you do in one chapter will determine what other chapters open up to you and in addition to those different chapter also different roles will open up so if you went a certain way and once again i don't want to spoil this game because all of this is spoilerific but based upon what you do in one chapter will affect other chapters branching off bring new characters into play which you'll be able to play as which is a lot of fun and then those new roles will help you branch off into other chapters now there is another mechanic in this game which is pretty interesting which is not spoiling things too much but there is a family mechanic so you will actually be paired with other players and be part of that family now some of your family members actually might be werewolves so that could be kind of an issue as the game goes on But that will really kind of like carry that legacy element from game to game. In addition to the cards, in addition to a bunch of different standees that come along the game, there is an amazing diary that comes in the game that will allow you to record all of the information, all the players, and is basically just read by the person who's moderating the game. So you can have different moderators from chapter to chapter, but you definitely want to have the same moderator for that particular chapter because otherwise it spoils a lot of the game. Now, this isn't radically different, but it adds something new to Werewolf. If you are a big fan of Werewolf, this is definitely something you want to pick up and I would recommend to buy. This is probably one of the best Werewolf experiences I've ever had in gaming. But if you are not a Werewolf fan, this game is going to be a dodge for you. There really isn't anything that new here in the game that is going to kind of like shock you or any revelation here that's going to blow you away once again i don't want to give any spoilers if you played werewolf games previously and you were thinking about this it's worth the play i know i'm giving three different reviews here if you don't like werewolf nothing new dodge if you are on the fence play and if you are a big werewolf fan this is a buy this is a game for a specific group of gamers They should definitely check this one out. And finally, I want to talk about a gaming product. Obviously, the holiday season is upon us. And you might be looking for more than just board games. We use a lot of different elements when we bring gaming to the table. Maybe you are using silicone cupcakes. Yes, little silicone cupcake liners to hold components. Or more traditional gaming components like Dice Towers. We came across a company at Gen Con 2018. They're called altruistic and they try to produce products that are good for gamers. And basically it's a whole number of different wood components that are laser cut. And they gave us a sample of their dice tower works quite well, fairly inexpensive, but what's probably most interesting about their components is everything is made to order. So they have an Etsy account and they have pretty much everything as far as geek gaming is concerned. So if you are looking for something as far as gaming is concerned, or you're looking for dice towers or dice boxes or deck boxes, you might want to check them out. They're at A-L-L-T-R-U, the number two, U.com, Altruistic Gaming. They're all also on Etsy. All right, Anthony, so those are the games that got to our table. Let's get on to our feature review. All right, so for our feature review, we are looking at Board Game Geeks, top 100 game typically when you talk to gamers they're always looking at BGG to lead them to the best games that are out there in board gaming so we want to take a look at the top 100 let you know if those games even deserve to be on the top 100 or if they should rise in the ranks and eventually get to your table all right so starting off our number 100 game on BGG's top 100 list will it rise or will it fall commands and colors ancients Anthony what do you think All right. We got a Richard board game. It's commands and colors,
0: but it is old and this is not a place for the cult of the old. I say it's going to fall.
1: Yeah, I think this game is going to fall out, too, and it's kind of a shame because this is one of the best command color games out there. So hopefully when it falls, people will still remember it. All right. Our number 99 game, Suburbia. Ah, it's been falling. It fell a lot last year, but I want it to rise. This is
0: one of my favorite city builder games.
1: Yeah, I think Bézier Games has kind of pulled back from the heavier stuff. And I think Suburbia has suffered for it. It has two great expansions. I really wanted to stick around on the top 100. I think it's going to hold at least the number 100 place a little bit longer. I think it's going to rise. All right, Anthony, our number 98 game, Chaos in the Old World. Definitely falling. This thing's out of print now, not coming back.
0: And it's a a bit of a weird game anyways. So falling further.
1: Yeah, super weird game here. Eric Lang has used the mechanics in other games a lot better. And there's only so much room in the same category. It's going to fall off the list. All right, Anthony, number 97, Railways of the World. Ooh, this is a tough one. It has fallen recently,
0: but it is such a good game and they keep releasing new content for it. So I'd like to see it go up, honestly.
1: Yeah, Rarewolves of the Worlds is a great game. And, you know, if you know anything about board gaming, at least on the heavy level, it's all about train games. So it's surprising that it's fallen this far. But you know what? I think we won't see this here next year. All right, Anthony, number 96, Agricola, the revised edition. I have no idea because I don't know how people rate
0: things anymore, but Agricola is on here twice. So... Get off the list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love Agricola. I had this conversation recently at game night with somebody at the table, and he told me that he recently picked up the revised edition because he wanted to get the game back to the table. Supposedly, it has some new rules revisions. I have it myself. I'm looking to get to the table. It'd be hard to believe that Agricola would not be in the top 100. I think it's going to come back once people get to the table. All right, Anthony, number 95, Ticket to Ride Europe. Uh, Ticket
0: to Ride is a classic, but there's so much stuff on this list now. And it keeps getting pushed down. I I like Europe better than the original edition, though. So I wish this one would go up a little bit higher.
1: Yeah, same for me, too. Europe is my favorite, I guess, against the original. But there's so many new ticket to rides coming out all the time. And while Europe does something different, it probably doesn't do enough. So I think this one's going to fall off the list. All right, Anthony, number 94, Arcadia Quest. Ah, This one is interesting. It fell a lot from last
0: year, almost like 25 spots. I would love for it to stay up here, but with the recent Kickstarters doing somewhat poorly uh, compared to earlier, I think it's going to keep falling.
1: Yeah, I think so too. You know, Arcadia Quest is one of my favorite kind of dungeon crawl games for a lot of reasons. The recent Riders Kickstarter did not do well. And with Starcadia Quest, I think they're muddling the market really badly. I hate to say this, but I don't think we'll see Arcadia Quest here next year. All right, number 93, Aura Elabora. Or in Labora, so I've, I've never played this, so I have no strong opinion one way or the other. <laughs> I've played this several times. It recently got to the table, and I do like this game, but it's, as far as Uwe Rosenberg is concerned, it's not his most remarkable game. I think this game will eventually fall off the top 100. All right, number 92, Yokohama. Yokohama's awesome. I
0: love this game. I'm um, glad to see it's up in the top 100. was not there last year, but has been steadily climbing. And uh, for me, it's just like a, a gamer's gamer version of Istanbul, much much more.
1: Surprisingly enough, I mean, this is an okay game for me, but Istanbul still holds my heart a little bit. I wouldn't mind if this game fell off the list completely, but I think it's going to hold around at least a little bit longer. All right, Anthony, number ninety-one, Lisboa.
0: Ah, yes, this is great, fantastic the game. So happy to see it jump up
1: here so quickly. Yeah, Vitello sort really has become the man. There's been so many new games coming out for him. And I think as the new games come out, they seem to be a little bit lighter. And I think that's really going to catch on with the public. And then the public's going to come back. And I think next year, we're going to see Lisboa rise. All right, Anthony, guess what's here? Number 90, Istanbul. I know. It's kind of funny. They're right next to each other. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I don't know, man. I. I, I, like I said, I like Yokohama better. Istanbul to me is not as engaging until you throw out some expansions and uh, it's a little too light for my taste. So I, I, I'm fine if it keeps dropping.
1: Well, for me, Istanbul does a little bit better as far as streamlining what Yokohama is trying to do with just excessive amounts of colors and pieces. But me too. I don't really care if this stays around on the list much more. So let's jump on to our number 89, A Game of Thrones, the board game, second edition.
0: All right. Yeah, this one dropped a fair bit since last year, but there's a new expansion coming to this thing for the first time in like seven years. So I think it's probably going to be going higher soon.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. You'll have a final season of Game of Thrones coming out. Obviously, the books at some point will hit the table and the new expansion is what everyone's been asking for. This is definitely going to rise. All right, Anthony, number 88, The Resistance Avalon.
0: Ah, Resistance. I take it or leave it. I don't (laughs) fall off. I don't care.
1: (laughs) the resistant avalon is my favorite of the resistance but yeah i wouldn't miss it if it was gone so it could fall number 87 star realms star realms is a classic and it's great
0: to see it on here but star realms itself has been done better multiple times by the same company i wouldn't mind if
1: this dropped off and something else replaced sure you have hero realms out there star realms is a lot of fun and it gets to the point right away But to be honest, it might be playing better as an app than as a card game. So I think this one will fall as well. Number 86, Anthony, Legendary Encounters, probably the best version of it, an alien deck building game.
0: Definitely the best version. 100% agree. I still think it's going to continue to drop, though, because there's not really any way to expand this game. It came with all the films already in there. And it's solid. It's complete. You can pick it up. You got everything you need. But that is on honestly often a death knell for a game like this on the top 100. So I think it's going to
1: continue to drop, maybe not quickly, but uh, dripping down the list. Yeah, I think this game might reach a, a certain kind of like aura of classic status. But, you know, the top 100's about the movers and shakers. And I don't think this will be here next year. All right, Anthony, number 85, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. All right. Yeah, this one dropped a fair
0: bit since last year. It was 68 last year. Now it's at 85. And I think this one has a lot of issues as it came. And so I'm not surprised to see it kind of getting supplanted by some
1: other tie games. I think it'll continue to fall. So for me, Ted Alsbach needs to listen and do this right now. Add Secrets, the expansion, as part of the base set. It plays so much better. But what instead you've done is you've added Mad King Ludwig to, like, So many other games that it's really diluted, and I think that's why Castles of Making Ludwig will definitely fall off the top 100. Anthony, I know you heard about this game, our number 84, War of the Ring, the first edition.
0: Yeah, so spoilers, this game's on the list twice. What? Uh, I know. (laughs) For that reason only, I think this one should continue to fall, and it has been falling since last year. I don't think it's a worst game, and I certainly believe it's one of the best games of all time, but it doesn't need to be on here twice, right?
1: Yeah, I don't understand why Board Game Geek does this, why they just don't package the games together. If there isn't any significant differences between the game, it doesn't really deserve to be on here twice. It's just really hurting the list, and I really wish it would fall off. Much, much love, but it doesn't deserve to be here. Our number 83 game, Alchemists. This is such a
0: good game, and I'm so happy that it's on this list. It has been falling a little bit, though, even with the expansion released. So I don't know if it'll stay up here. But in terms of app integrations, this is one of the best still. So I hope it continues to rise.
1: I hope this game falls off the list and no one ever picks it up again because it's so oh. cumbersome. If there's just so much to do on the board, and then you have the app and then you have expansions, which just makes this game even longer. And I just want it to stop. Go away, go away, poof, it went away. Our number eighty two game, Anthony, is Forbidden <laughs> Stars. Ah uh, man, you jumped ahead on me.
0: Uh, defend my stuff uh, Forbidden Stars though um, re-implementation of StarCraft is uh, its a great game but just like Chaos in the Old World I think it's going to continue to drop down a little bit because it is out of print and will never come back in print in any form unless they reimplement this system in a yet
1: another theme. Yeah, we won't see the likes of this in our generation, at least. No. <laughs> yeah, this game is going to enter classic status in some ways because there's going to be those few games out there who really love it and really you know cherish it. But for the rest of us, we will not see the likes of this game in our generation. All right, Anthony, number 81, Santorini. Santorini, love this game. It's one of my favorite abstracts, uh, period,
0: honestly. And it's fallen a little bit since last year, but I think it deserves to be up here. I wish it would go back up.
1: Yeah, Santorini for me is an abstract I really do like. It's adorable, and it's yet very, very tactical. It's hit the big box stores. It hits the local friendly game stores. I think we're going to see this game rise. Let's jump on to our number 80, Anthony, Stone Age. Stone Age. I don't know. It's one of those
0: entry-level you know, worker placement games. Everybody says it's a good gateway. Haven't honestly played it a whole lot, but it's a stalwart on this list. I wouldn't mind if it fell down though, just because there are a lot of other entry-level worker placement games that I like better.
1: Yeah. Stone Age is a classic. It's supposed to get a reprint and a slight revision. So I'm looking forward to that. So maybe that game will replace this game. Please no duplicates. We've already talked about that before. So if it doesn't, it deserves to be at least in the high 90s, but definitely deserves to be at the table. Anthony, number 79, Descent, Journeys in the Dark, second edition. I love Descent, but I also love Imperial
0: Assault, but I also <laughs> love Doom. There's so many versions of this game. I don't Yeah. Know. It definitely deserves to be on here, I think. I Honestly, I'm happy we're exactly where it's at. I think it's good representation. There's a ton of content here. They've iterated on it forever, and I don't think they're releasing a ton of new content for it anymore, but to my eyes, this is the best use of the Terranoth universe thus far and the one that's been the most successful. So it's it's a solid game, and it definitely deserves to stay here.
1: I still have to go with a game that hopefully will be a higher on the list for using the Terranoth universe. Descent Journeys in the Dark 2nd Edition does it great. You're talking about dungeon crawls. Not much better It can hang around here, but if it falls off the list, I'm not sweating it. Number 78, Anthony, Pandemic, Iberia. All right, Iberia. This one is
0: new to the list since last year, which I was surprised by. Maybe because it was just maybe hard to find for a while. Like I said, this is my favorite Pandemic. The only problem I have is that Pandemic's on this list several times. So I don't think Pandemic base game is going to get knocked off here in favor of Iberia, even though they are fairly close to each other. But I'm very happy with this position because I think it's a great game, great implementation, great theming even from what is usually an abstract game. So
1: happy with it. Yeah, for me, there's just way too much pandemic out there and too much pandemic on the list. So I have not played this one yet. Maybe if they picked and choose the ones that they really think are the best, maybe I'd actually get to this table. So Anthony, number 77, we're talking about 1876 Crokinole. I I,
0: I always love that this is here because it's like it's the only thing that's not... I mean, I guess we could get into a fight here with people about whether it's a board game or not, but it's not really a board game. It's more of a... a No, it's a dexterity activity. The fact that it's here, I I don't know, but it doesn't really (laughs) need to be here. We have a separate list for those. That's not what this is, but then I guess we can get into a whole other thing about other types of games that maybe shouldn't be here. I don't know. (laughs) I guess fall off, so I don't have to think about it anymore.
1: (laughs) Well, every list has to have one, and this is our one, so it's the... uh the odd child of the uh, BGG top 100. It's fine as it falls off the list. I've seen it on like ESPN playing out there. So, okay. (laughs) But number 76, Anthony Kemet. Kemet is awesome. I love Kemet. It is more or less
0: in the same spot as last year. And I think that's fair. There are a lot of good games though, that do this exact same thing. So it's tough to say which one should go up or down. Uh, I think Kemet is probably deserves to be in the top 100 but not necessarily higher than where it
1: is i think Kemet deserves to be much much higher it's going to get a new expansion which is going to put kind of like one versus all type of work together great tiles great uses of a d4 does definitely deserves to be higher for me number 75 shocker here uh i think it's called pandemic yeah, I know.
0: This is where we get into that question. Like you read video game lists and people are like, how is Mario not number one, the original? And you're like, because it's not the best one, right? Sure. So it, you get into that whole classic versus best iteration argument. And I'm always a best iteration guy. Like if you have a best version of something, that should be higher on the list than the original version of that. And that's the case with Pandemic. This is a brilliant original framework for a game, but the game itself is dry and not particularly engaging anymore with all the other stuff that's out there i think it should fall off the list in favor of other games that do it better
1: sure once again classic status hall of fame status but it just can't keep up with the kids these days and really needs to be off the list drop it drop it hard number 74 talking about games that have been there and done it dominion same thing i mean this is a game that Unless you
0: add a bunch of expansions in, and there are a lot, and a lot of them are very good. It has been done better by a lot of other things. So um, I would not be unhappy to see it
1: drop off the list. Definitely Hall of Fame, classic status. Number 73, Anthony, going old school, Trajan. Trajan, yeah, as a Stefan Fell game. Brilliant game, big, heavy
0: tough to get into. I've always surprised, been surprised this one ranks so high, but it has fallen a little bit lately. I think it's probably still one of his better designs though. So happy to see it here. Yeah.
1: It's not my favorite Feld, but it's definitely a favorite for a lot of people at the table. It's like if Stefan Feld had done Mario party with a whole bunch of little mini games in it, but you know, you can't complain when uh rondelles are done, right? You know, if it stays, if it falls, it's fine with me. It's always good to have a Feld on the list. Number 72, Anthony dead of winter, this game will not die. Crossroads game still here. It is still here, but it fell 24 spots since
0: last wow. time we did this. I don't think it's going to stay on the list. And I think really there's I think you have a new game using a similar system. Finally, finally coming from Hat It's going to come out and iterate on this and make it better. And the fervor over zombies and everything related to them is finally, thank God, starting to die down a little bit. And that's witnessed by the fact that there's no zombie side here either. So I'm fine with this falling off the list, to be honest.
1: Yeah, Gen 7 is definitely making an impact. How much of an impact, I don't know, because it doesn't have a licensed IP with it. Where zombies, even though it's not an IP necessarily, it's kind of an IP. I think Dead of Winter is going to hold on at least a couple more generations and then maybe eventually kind of fall off, but I don't see Gen 7 knocking it out yet. But Anthony, let's talk about games that and b reiterated many, many times, Tigus and Euphrates. Yeah, this one literally has not changed since
0: last year. Its rating is the same. The number of owners is basically the same. It dropped a little bit because there's new games ahead of it. So I think it will stay on the list for as long as that continues to happen. <laughs> Should it be here? I Yeah, probably. But I think also eventually... Maybe not.
1: Yeah, you recently had Yellow and Yangtze come out, and I was wondering if that was going to knock this one down a little bit more. But if it actually did that, I think Dave would fall dead. So it can hang around a little bit longer because, you know, the guy needs a break. Anthony, number 70. This one is one I have a big question with, Russian Railroads. Yeah,
0: I love this game. It's one of my favorite worker placement games. Same as Tigris and Euphrates, the rating has more or less been the same since last year. And it's fallen about 10 spots for all the stuff in front of it. I think it should be a little bit higher. Honestly, it is one of my favorite worker placements, especially you add in all the extra stuff that you can do with it through later expansions. Hard to find, unfortunately, which can hurt things on this list.
1: Yeah, for me, I don't care that it's over here. It can even drop a little bit as far as I'm concerned. German Railroads, I know it's kind of an expansion for this. I think that that deserves to be here. And maybe even first class, but we'll see how the list goes. All right, Anthony, number 69, still holding on, Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures game. Love it, love it, love it.
0: One of the best of these types of games and certainly the most prolific. Uh, I know some of the other games that use the flight path system have iterated it better. This one is the one you can find the easiest and get to the table the easiest. I think it should be higher on the list, and it was last year. So hopefully with the second edition, it bumps back up a little bit next time around.
1: I think that's a big question. What is the second edition going to do for Star Wars X-Wing miniature game? Is it going to bump it up or is it going to fall off the list? I'm going to guess it's going to fall off the list just because while it is a great game, I don't know if everyone's going to pick up that second edition. I think it might get it a little bit lost there. Or right, anything number 68, Twa. Twa. I love Twa. I know we differ on opinions on this
0: one a little bit, but I'd love it. It's it's a little cutthroat, but that's great for a euro because it's got more interaction than usual. I would like to see it a little bit higher. It dropped just a tiny bit from last year, but its rating actually went up a little, um, which shows you the strength of the games ahead of it. So I'd like to see it rise.
1: Yeah, with its recent reprint, it you know solidified its spot over here. Not a big fan of Twa, but if it wants to stick around, I'm real, I'm perfectly fine with giving the game another chance. All right, Anthony, number 67, Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, The Thames Murders and Other Cases. This is one going way back from 1981. Yes,
0: and this one is kind of the representative for all three volumes of this now. Asmodee has released two newer sets, and all of them are awesome, with the exception of some typos. I absolutely love these. My only thing on these is that there are some new games coming out, like Chronicles of Crime and Detective, that do it a little bit better but nothing beats the ambiance of looking through the newspaper and these case books love this game. Hope it doesn't fall off the list anytime soon, even with the other stuff out there
1: have not played this. So if it stays, if it goes, it's all good by me. Number 66, Mombasa Mombasa yes this is a great game by Alexander Pfister
0: one of my favorites of his and kind of under the radar in general uh, at least when it came out although obviously at number 66 not necessarily under the radar yeah happy to see it right here where it is
1: I love to see this game go higher and I'm not really sure why it isn't higher up the list this is a fairly inexpensive game to pick up and is such a great game I don't think there's a more complex game as far as interesting decisions are concerned if you haven't played Mombasa you definitely want to check it up because it's gonna rise number 65 Battlestar Galactica the board game Battlestar is such a
0: fantastic hidden role trader game I don't generally like these games at all but I've had a lot of fun playing this game in particular it has been falling a little bit but that's because it's out of print and doesn't look like it's coming back anytime soon so I think it'll continue to fall a little bit but I don't think it should it is really good
1: this is the perfect melding of theme and mechanics. If you know anything about Battlestar Galactica, it's all about hidden roles and hidden movement and all the kind of backstabbing sabotage that goes on. This game is great, has a multiple expansions, but maybe a little too bloated to stick around on the list for many, many, many more years. But if you haven't got a chance, you should definitely check it out. Number 64, The Gallerist. This Gallerist from Vital Lacerda, his second game on the list
0: um, this is actually the first game that was on the list last time that has moved up to this time that isn't just new to the list. And I think it should continue to move up. This is a fantastic game. This is probably my favorite Lacerda still. And the only reason it's not higher, if you look at the ranking, is just not a ton of
1: people own it or have played it. I know I recently picked it up and can't wait to get this game to the table. It looks great. And as you mentioned earlier, Lacerda is growing himself in the industry, so Hopefully this game will rise as people get a chance to play it. Number 63, another heavyweight, Anachrony. Yes, another one new to the list too. Not even on here last time,
0: just came out in 2017. Very high ranking, not a ton of owners, absolutely deserves to be up here. I think this one could be, if, an, if we could get it to more people, if it had bigger distribution, I think this one could be top 50 easily.
1: This is another game just like the gallerist that's in my collection, recently punched it, want to get it to the table, looks great. Hopefully this game will rise and get more players to the table. Number 62, Roll for the Galaxy. In my opinion,
0: one of the best light to medium entry kind of games to get people you know, into that side of the hobby, a little bit heavier games, does it better than Race for the Galaxy, it has everything going for it. Been dropping a little bit though, was in the top 50 before, not anymore. I'd like to see it higher than where it is.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see this higher. It's one of my favorite games, as you mentioned, does space so well, does exploration so well, and the dice are great, and it really does a better job than Race for the Galaxy. Number 61, Clank, a deck-building adventure. This one is interesting because it had a
0: very high ranking last year, but not a ton of owners. This year, the owners have more than doubled, but the ranking has gone down. Mm -hmm. And I'm... Interested to see. I think it'll probably continue to fall a little bit just as it averages out. It's a very good game, but it's not a brilliant reimagining of deck building as, you know, a lot of people originally put it out and the app has not really picked up the, uh, the play as much as people thought. So I like it, but I think a little bit lower.
1: Yeah, I really like the idea of this game. Obviously, they came out with their space version of Clank, which might be affecting its ranking currently. But for me, it's still just a very generic game. And I'm surprised it's this high on the list. I hope it falls a little bit further because I think there's just better ways of implementing deck building. Number 60, not a surprise, it's back, Dominion Entry. All right, yeah, this is slightly better than the regular Dominion. Probably don't both need to be on
0: this list. So same thing as last time. Ditto for me. Next up, number 59, Patchwork. Patchwork is brilliant. One of my favorite two-player games. Multiple versions of it out now, which is awesome. Happy to see it up here on the list. I think it definitely deserves to be top 50, probably. So higher, even higher a little bit would be great.
1: Yeah, I would agree. This game should definitely rise. A two-player game that's colorful, interactive, and a theme we usually don't see in board gaming. Number 58, Anthony, Time Stories. Another big old drop from last time, down 23 spots. I
0: think that's probably going to continue to happen with this one. Not a ton of new owners compared to last time, considering how high it was ranked. The new modules are often hit or miss. I think the the shininess of this one is wearing off a little bit where not as the same people are playing it, not as many new people are getting into it. I would not be surprised to see it drop a little, but it's It's kind of one of those iconic games and nothing else has copied it yet. So it definitely deserves to be. Up. It's a brilliant design
1: and I'm so glad to have it. But honestly, it doesn't really fit on this list for me. It really deserves to be in a different classification. The one and done type of model I don't know. And especially since they're just different stories. Some of them are great. Some of them are bad. So where does this really fit on a list of top 100? All right, Anthony, number 57, the classic here, El Grande. Yes. Yeah, jumped up a little bit last
0: year with the reprint down a tiny bit this year, but more or less the same. Definitely a top 100 game.
1: Yeah, area majority done probably best. El Grande is a great game, a little hard to find, but if you can definitely check it out. Anthony number 56 rising sun rising sun just shipped this year this is the first 2018 release we've gotten to i'm still on the fence whether i think this is a top 100 game what do you think i feel like it's a top 100 game not just because it's got great miniatures but the role selection the partnership is very different And the way the battles play out where you can just take out your own men or what victory condition you're looking for is very different. And it's not about taking over the whole country. So it deserves to be here for me. All right, I think number 55, Five Tribes.
0: In my opinion, one of Days of Wonder's best games in the last 10 years. And uh, just a fantastic implementation of the Moncala. Definitely deserves to be here. I think this is a perfect spot for it right in the middle of the list.
1: Yeah, especially since it's five, five and five tribes. So yeah, I would agree too. All right, number 54, Lords of Waterdeep.
0: All right, yeah, I mentioned worker placement games at the entry level. I think Lords of Waterdeep is the perfect entry level worker placement game. Deserves to be on the top 100 for that reason. With the expansions, it's a very, very solid game.
1: It's a solid game. It's a good entry gateway game. It obviously brings RPGers to the table. It's definitely a little light. If it doesn't have the expansion for me, it does not hit the table. And I still wonder what happens to all of my adventures I send out and I never get back to my own pool. All right, Anthony, number 53, Eldritch Hara. Still have not played this. Still don't really want to. So <laughs> I have no opinion. Yeah, this game could stay or go. There's so much Cthulhu stuff out there. This obviously was at least an initial upgrade from, from Arkham Hara. So stay, go, you know, consume the universe. It's all the same to me. Number 52, code names. Yeah, this is a classic,
0: instant classic. It's dropped a bit in the last year, but I mean, that's just volume at this point. So this one's not going anywhere.
1: Yeah, there is almost as many versions of this as it seems like there's Monopoly and Love Letter and everything else. I'm fine with this hanging around, but 52, I wish it would drop a little bit further just because it's become so generic. Number 51, Fields of Arl. Fields of is one of my favorite Uwe Rosenberg
0: games. It did not change on the list at all from last wow. time. It was actually 52 last time. It's 51 this time. So just a tiny, tiny little change. And there was an expansion release in there. So I I think this is a perfect spot for it. I don't think it necessarily deserves to go higher, but it's a very solid game.
1: I have not played this one yet, either in the two-player or the three-player version. Hopefully one day. Number 50, YOY, Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition is here.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a top 20 game a year and a half ago, but now it should probably be removed. (laughs) And we'll talk about why in a little bit. Number 49, Dominant Species. One of the best games ever made. Definitely deserves to be in the top 50. I think it should be higher, honestly.
1: I agree. And this recently just got a reprint and kind of sold out immediately. The only reason why this game is not higher on the list is just there aren't enough copies out there to go around. Please make new copies. And while you're at it, A super deluxe version would be awesome. Number 48, Race for the Galaxy. What do you say? It's a classic. The app is fantastic. Uh, I still prefer Roll for the Galaxy. So if they
0: switched places, I'd be happy.
1: Yeah, same here. Ditto all the way. Race for the Galaxy is fine, but there's been a new champion here and it's Roll. Number 47, Kalis. I somehow still have not played this. I don't know why. I played this several times. It's the Euro game that's all about building, and yet you can really mess with other people, so a lot of player interaction goes on here. This is a really good spot for Kalis, and I actually wouldn't mind if it rose just a little bit more so there was a reprint and some renewed interest in the game. Number 46, Clans of Caledonia. Another new one. This was actually on the hotness list one year ago too because I'm looking at
0: the old list, but now it's in the top 100. Debuting very high, I think this will drop, but I still also think it's a very good game. Is it a top 100 game? I'm not quite sure, but it does take a while for something to drop off. So probably a little bit lower for me, but happy to see it get in the love.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad game, but there are so many other games that do the same thing and maybe a little bit better I predict this game won't even be on the list next year on the top 100 at least. Number 45, Keyflower. Yeah, this one's a classic. Another one hasn't really moved
0: much from last year either. Seems like it's pretty much a stalwart up here in the top.
1: Yeah, Keyflower and its unlimited number of expansions and re-implementations. Keyflower is something great. I think 45 is a good spot for it. If it dropped a little bit, it wouldn't hurt me too much because it's a little played out and there's other versions of it that may be playing just a little bit better these days. Anthony, number 44, Brass Birmingham. This is an interesting one. I think this is great. I think it's
0: better than Lancashire, which is higher than this. And yet, I'm not sure where it's going to end up because its ranking right now is like 8.69, which is obscenely high, but it only has 3,000 owners. So it needs more owners. And I think the ranking will go down because those people backed it, you know, the usual Kickstarter effect. Mm-hmm. Think it's going to go higher, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to go higher as well. This is my favorite, Brass I did not back the Kickstarter, shame on me, but if I could actually pick this game up with its coins, I would definitely be able to add myself to that BGG list, but until then, Brass, come on, man, move up. Birmingham is much, much better than Lancashire. Anthony, number 43, Seven Wonders. Yeah, this is
0: another one that's like a classic, definitely deserves to be on the list. I think it's starting to fall a little bit from where it used to be, just because It is getting old in the eyes of gamers, but I think it should probably be even a little bit higher than where it is.
1: Yeah, same here. I think this game should be much, much higher. It's one of, if not the best card drafting game out there. Armada, the new expansion is coming up. So we might see this back in the 30s or the maybe, you know, early 20s. So Seven Wonders. Number 42, Android Netrunner got some issues here netrunner yeah it fell 10 spots from last year because it
0: got canceled so (laughs) not as many new owners in fact it's almost the same as last year which makes sense considering what happened i think it's going to continue to drop even though it is by all accounts one of the best two-player games ever made which is unfortunate it's a shame that we're not gonna be able to see new content for this
1: yeah maybe we'll see in a different version but i think this game will fall as well which is kind of a shame Number 41, The Voyages of Marco
0: Polo. Yeah, this is one of my top 10 games of all time. Dropped just a tiny hair from last year, but not enough. You know, it's 39, now it's 41. I think it should be higher. I think it's brilliant and
1: happy to see it up here. Yeah, this game should definitely be higher. Its new expansion brought it out to table, added an extra player, made the game a lot more reasonable. If you have not played The Voyages of Marco Polo with the expansion and you originally felt the game was a little too tough, Definitely try it out with the expansion. I think it'll rise in the rankings for you as well. Number 40, Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Curse Island.
0: Yeah, one of the best co-op games out there. One of the best adventure games. A bit fiddly, a bit tough to learn, but still a classic and so much content. Plus, they're finally reprinting that old expansion and there's another new expansion coming next year. I think this one will go back up. Uh, it was in the top thirty last year. I think we'll we'll get back up towards that.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Old. But I would like to see a new version of this that kind of slims it down so you could just get what you want to play because it is way too fiddly to get to the table as much as it deserves. Number thirty nine, Lahav. Lahav, yes, this is one of uh, Uwe Rosenberg's best games,
0: and doesn't get as much love as it should. It's often hard to find. It's a little bit older, ten years old now, and it's pretty dense to get into, but I think it absolutely deserves to be where it is. At this point, probably exactly where it
1: is. Yeah, I haven't played the game yet. Still try to get this game to the table, but it doesn't seem to get any love because it's brutal for new players. And I think this game will continue to drop just because there are more accessible games hitting the table. Number 38, Zulkin, The Mayan Calendar.
0: Love this game. Absolutely love this game. It looks gimmicky at first, but it's a brilliant game nonetheless. Has barely moved from last year. And I think that's well-deserved. Despite the lack of new content, I think it should stay exactly where
1: it is. It bothers me a little bit that there are certain paths to victory that are always best. But the worker displacement element to the game is fantastic. It looks great. I'd like to see a new expansion beyond what it had originally, just to kind of add a little twist to the game and open it up a little bit. So it rises, it falls. It kind of deserves to be where it is. Number 37, Anthony, a newcomer to the list, Azul. Azul, yes. The uh, Behemoth of 2018.
0: This one came out at the end of last year. I like this game a lot, and I'm very excited for the new version, but I think 37 is crazy high (laughs) for this. I expect and kind of hope it falls a little bit. Not because I don't like it. I do love it. I think it's a good, it's a buy, but 37 is very high for what amounts to an abstract game.
1: Yeah, I think we'll see this game fall maybe to santorini type numbers just because abstracts always rise rather quickly because they're really easy to play but they're also easy to replace number 36 eclipse yes this is a classic
0: uh fiddly mess but brilliant <laughs> brilliant space hero 4x um, there's a new version coming a lot of updates to it so i think this version if they do what they usually do will continue to drop as that kind of supplants it on the list if it adds into this particular entry then it'll probably go up as those start to ship
1: out. Yes, the new version of Eclipse should bring it back out. It's probably something that needed to happen a long time ago. I think Eclipse will just stay around basically where it is. Number 35, Anthony, Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Honestly haven't played this yet and I, it looks like on it like looking at the
0: list and the number of rankings, I don't know how many people have actually played it significantly fewer than season one. So I think a lot of people are in the same boat. But from all accounts, it's good. But I think as more people actually get around to playing it, it might drop off a little bit.
1: This kind of falls into the same slot as Time Stories for me because it's a legacy, because it's kind of a one-and-done type of game. I really feel like it deserves to be somewhere else. But if it's going to be on the top 100, I really don't feel like it deserves to be at number 35. I think this game should drop. And I think it will. I think the pandemic kind of legacy thing is getting a little burnt out number 34 kingdom death monster yeah this one's new to the list this year
0: uh, i think probably just because everybody got shipped their copies at the end of last year people who love it like this game absolutely love it i think it has one of the highest average rankings period in the database just not a ton of owners i don't think it's gonna go anywhere it should probably be lower on the list despite the fact that from all accounts it's a brilliant game but it is just people are so in love with it like, once they played it they love it
1: I think this game will rise as you mentioned a lot of kickstarter backers are getting it. it it reprinted if you go to a convention and you visit the booth you would think you were in the finest of all museums <laughs> when you take a look at these, these interesting pieces and a civilization building i think it's going to rise number 33 the classic here anthony power grid yeah power
0: Grid classic it's brilliant um, not a ton of new content in recent years but that doesn't matter it it still holds up still gets to my table regularly love this game dropped about 10 from last year surprisingly I would like to see it go back up to where it was around 20.
1: yeah this game could rise or fall for me there have been better maps than at least the original base game is concerned but there's still a lot of talk at the table when it comes to power grid number 32. We got another issue again, Through the Ages a Story of Civilization.
0: Yeah, we can almost skip this one for various reasons. Uh, It dropped a bunch from last year. It'll continue to do so. All right, number 31, A Feast for Odin. Yes, this is my favorite, Uwe Rosenberg. And it's obviously not a controversial statement because it's at number 31. But I know a lot of people disagree with me on this. Uh, But I'm happy it's here. I'd like to see it
1: higher because I think it's his best. Hey, it's that guy who disagrees with you. Feast for Odin really needs to drop because it has way too many pieces, way too fiddly. Uwe Rosenberg's got better games. Come on, man. Number 30, Star Wars Imperial Assault.
0: Yes, this is a better version of Descent. Quite literally, it has a lot of updated rules and re-implementations, a two-player skirmish mode, and it's Star Wars. So yeah, this is awesome. Happy to see this up here. Even though the Content creation seems to be dropping off for this one.
1: Yeah, I wonder if it's eventually going to burn out a little bit and fall back a little bit, and if eventually the Star Wars IP is not going to have as much punch because it seems like the whole Galactic Empire is slowing down a little bit. Great game. Number 30 seems about right for it. Give or take a little slots. Number 29, Mechs versus Minions. Yeah, this was a one time designer, developer, and
0: jumped right up in the top 30. It's crazy. I like it a lot. I think it's little high for what it is in terms of mechanics this is more people rating it based on what it looks like and what they spent for it so i think it should be lower but it's also still very good game
1: i'm a big illegal legend fan so i was really happy to see this game come out as you mentioned anthony great price point great mechanics really great game but number 29 it is not Number 28, Food Chain Magnet. Yeah, absolutely. 100% deserves to be
0: up here. My favorite splatter game thus far. And a decent number of owners listed. I mean, uh, for a game this niche, it has a lot of people out there have been playing it and picking it up. And the expansion coming in the next couple of years is only going to push it up higher, I think.
1: Yeah, it's one of those games that is so niche that you always worry about if you should pick the game up. But every time this game gets to the table, everyone really enjoys it. Number 28 is a really good spot for it. I wouldn't be surprised if it did rise a couple of points higher. Number twenty-seven, Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Blood Rage dropped ten last year. I don't. That I'm surprised
0: by that because I absolutely think it's a top twenty game. It's still my favorite dudes on a map game. Period. Uh, mixing the Euro and Ameritrash elements, it does it just seamlessly, and you can just drop this on the table and get it played. Even now, I, I know it sounds crazy. It's only been three years, but in board games, three years is a long time. So. I'd like to see this go higher. They are doing like a Kickstarter for their app and they're like bonus content. They're reprinting some of the old stuff, apparently, in an upcoming Kickstarter. So hopefully that helps it out a little bit as well. But I'd like to see this one higher.
1: Yeah, this is for me, Eric Lang's best game. Played this last week and everyone was just like, what should we play, Blood Rage? Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, yeah. And we enjoyed the game, a lot of fun and definitely something should be higher. So I'm going to say, as you mentioned, top 20, maybe top 15. Number 26, Orleans. Orleans dropped only one spot from last year, almost exactly the same ranking.
0: Um, fantastic. One of the first like successful bag-building games that really did it well. Tons of expansion content. Lots of reasons for it to be here. I'm, I'm happy with where it is, honestly. There's been other bag-builders since then, but I still like this one best.
1: I would love to see this get reprinted with its new expansion boards kind of put into it because the base game with its just general kind of setup is a little too thin. It had a multitude of little expansions to pop into this. I guarantee you repackage this game and it'll hit the top 10. Number 25, Bress, Lancashire. This is the original. I think it should switch places with Birmingham.
0: It's great. It's a Brilliant, classic game, but the the new edition's better. Same here. Number 24, Mansions of Madness, second edition. One of the best uses of an app in a board game, period. Fixes literally every single problem the original had, and actually made me like Cthulhu, so I think top 30 here is a good spot for it.
1: Still have not played this game, but heard a lot of great things about it, and somewhere in the back of uh, local friendly game stores, this game is playing all the time, so... I think this has a good spot for it. Number 23, Spirit Island. This is one of my top
0: 10 games, and I think it should be a top 10 game, period. 23 is great after just a year on the on the list, but I think it should continue to rise.
1: Yeah, for me too. I think this is a top 10 game. I think, once again, the only issue it might have is it needs to be repackaged again, just because there are so many expansions as far as the complexity is concerned. That kind of needs to be ironed out, but definitely needs to be higher. Number 22, Mage Knight board game. All right, Mage Knight. Yeah, this is high because of solo players. (laughs) That's that's really
0: it. This is the number one game for solo players, period. It always is on that list. I don't think it can go higher because of that reason. I think it'll continue to drop down bit by bit, but it's still a fantastic game for those people who can get
1: it to the table. I'm surprised that the Star Trek Frontiers game didn't chip away a little more at this, but... I have not played this, so I'm going to to take your uh, solo recommendation on this. Number 21, Concordia. Concordia has risen,
0: actually, since last year. Uh, Ranking has gone up significantly, a bunch of new owners. I think with the new edition and the constant release of new maps, combined with the fact this is just all around one of the best medium weight Euros out there from Matt Gertz, uh, it deserves to be up where it is, and I'm happy to see it up near around the top 20.
1: It's one of my favorite games. Top 20 is definitely where it deserves to be. Obviously, the new expansion coming out might even propel it a little bit higher. I don't know why the box art really threw people off. It's a fantastic game. Number 20, Agricola. I guess the original edition. Yeah. Bleh. I yeah. love oh. Agricola. <laughs> <laughs> I I do, I do once again believe there should only be one. So let's have a little Highlander version here. The revised edition probably needs to be the edition that needs to be here. So take the revised edition, put it up here. There will no longer be two Agricolas and Anthony can move on with the list. Number 19, Arkham Horror, the card game. This is such a good game. Again, more Arkham than I like. A legitimate
0: campaign style, narrative driven card game that works and the mechanics are actually fun. I don't know how it works, but I love it. There's so much content for this and it 100% deserves to be up here. I'd, I'd honestly put it up even a little bit higher.
1: I have not played this. I'm not a Cthulhu fan, but everything you say sounds about right. It could drop a little bit for me just because it's an LCG and eventually all LCGs burn out and kind of fade away or at least fall into a deep slumber number 18 viticulture essential edition yeah this one obviously has gotten a lot more distribution because the number of
0: owners has doubled since last year Mm -hmm. rating is the same so now it is it jumped up almost 10 spots and i think that's great i think it's a solid you know up there with lords of Waterdeep in terms of if i'm going to put a worker placement game in front of somebody it's going to be this or that um it's all about theme so i might drop it down just a little bit but not a ton
1: yeah i'm a big fan of this game tuscany is the better version for me this game probably needs to drop down a little bit, maybe in the mid-20s, just because some of those card combinations gets a little crazy. Number 17, Caverna, The K Farmers. This is such a good game. And this is, I guess,
0: Uve's highest rated game. So I guess I can't argue with that, uh, even if I do like Feast for Odin better, but I know that I'm alone in that. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to see K Farmers any lower than where it is.
1: Yeah, this seems about right. I could see this even going a little bit higher as 15, especially when the new expansion comes out with some asymmetrical gameplay, which is the hot thing right now. So I'm going to say look forward to next year maybe hitting 15, 14 or so. Great game. I do like Agricola better, but this definitely deserves to be here. Number 16, Puerto Rico, a former number one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the, for the rest of the list, I think this is the oldest game we have. So that's interesting and it's it's funny to see how much it's come down over the years but it is still a classic still deserves to be up here
1: yeah it's a classic hall of fame game it can stay right around where it is i think more people need to get this game to the table anthony number 15 twilight imperium fourth edition what do you think
0: absolutely one of my top five games I would put it in the top five, but not enough people have played it or own it to get it there. But 15 is is great.
1: Yeah, it fits 15 just because it's really hard to get to the table. Obviously, the third edition needs to disappear just so that this kind of like becomes the essential edition. Number 14, a big shocker here, The Seventh Continent. Listen, this game is great
0: and very inventive and lots of cool ideas, but I don't, I don't see it as a top 20 game. I think it should drop, and I think it will. Although it could end up having the kingdom death syndrome where just
1: a small number of people really love it. So we'll see what happens here, but I don't think it should be up this high. Yeah, number 14 seems crazy for this. I know a lot of Kickstarter backers love it. It had multiple reprints. It's a great game, but probably, I think we're talking 30s or 40s next year. Number 13, Seven Wonders Duel.
0: Best short two-player game, period. So 100%
1: agree with where it is. I think this should be in the top 10 because it's the best two-player game, period. Number 12, War of the Ring, second edition. Yes, best long two-player game, period.
0: <laughs> and This is my number one game of all time, so you know how much higher I would put this on the list. But, uh, you know, it's it's been up here for a while, and I'm happy to see it in the top 15.
1: I think this needs to go a little bit higher. Even if you aren't a Lord of the Rings fan, this is still one of, if not the the best two-player games out there. It recently got a reprint, and that sold like crazy. Definitely get some time to get this game to the table. Number 11, our man, the Feld, The Castles of Burgundy. Yeah, this one's a
0: behemoth. A lot of these games fell. Caverna, for example, fell like five, six spots. This one only fell one in the last year. A rating actually went up a little bit. This is like the one game everybody can agree on, whether they like Euros or aren't sure about them. They're like, well, Castles of Burgundy is pretty good. This is Feld's best, and it is probably the most accessible and affordable of any of the Euros on this list.
1: It's really surprising that we're not talking about a game that got a reprint, a deluxified version, a new expansion, and it's still here at number 11. I think it just needs to be in the top 10 just because it is the Castles of Burgundy. But number 10, Terra Mystica.
0: So Terra Mystica is a brilliant game, one of my all-time favorites. But we'll get to number eight in a minute, which kind of makes this a little bit harder to say that I think it should be up here. There is an expansion apparently coming for this that might change that. But for now, I I think I would actually have Terra Mystica drop a bit.
1: I know that there are a lot of BGGers out there because I've seen... The immense number of calculations that goes into Terra Mystica as far as what action to take first and then second and third. It's just, it blows me away. It seems more complex than chess as far as the strategy that goes into the game. So for me, I'm not at that level of complexity when it comes to the strategic decisions being made here. So if it sticks around the number 10, it's fine by me. But honestly, I think it needs to fall just a bit. Number nine, Great Western Trail. Okay, so I like this
0: game. I like Alexander Fister. I like a lot of his games. I don't know why this is number nine, to be honest. I, I could see it being in the top 100 for sure. It's a solid game, but number nine seems really high to me, and I still don't quite understand that.
1: Yeah, I don't understand it either. He has better games, and this game's okay, but there are certain problems to it. So maybe number four... 49? I mean, it deserves maybe to be in the top 50, but not number nine. Number eight, Gaia Project. Here is why
0: Terra Mystica is a problem for me, because Gaia Project is better in every single way. So some of them very incremental ways, but all the important ways, because it's an iteration on that game five years later. It's in space, it's modular, it has a bunch more options, Uh, it fixes a lot of the issues that you have with the balance. Gaia Project is like the perfect implementation of those original Terra Mystica you know, components and elements and if they bring some of that back in the expansion for terra mystica awesome but gaia project is absolutely top 10 game
1: yeah with the exception of artwork it's better than terra mystica probably in every way obviously it's random board placement kind of opens up gameplay and just loosens it up a little bit probably not a number eight for me maybe a number 15 or, or a little bit higher but it's a good game Number seven, Scythe. Yeah, Scythe is fantastic. I've actually
0: soured, not soured. I think soured is a strong word, but I've softened on this game over time. You know, since it originally came out, I played it a lot. And just every time I play it now, I'm just a little less excited by it. I don't think it's necessarily top 10 worthy anymore. I think I'd like to see it fall a little bit. Uh, Of all the games falling down, I think this is one that's probably due to start falling a little bit, but it's still a fantastic game.
1: I think it might rise just a little bit, no pun intended, because of Rise of Fenris. It's just a much, much better expansion that I'm going to have to keep saying this needs to be repackaged with Scythe just because it makes the game so much better. So if you are playing base game or with the original expansions, it deserves to drop. If you are playing Rise of Fenris, it probably needs to rise just a little bit more number six star wars rebellion all right so i already said war of the ring is the best
0: long two-player game so these two should just switch i think i love star wars rebellion it's star wars in a box but war of the rings better so switch
1: (laughs) this is uh, for me the best star wars game out there it's one of the best two player as anthony said long version games it's a fantastic game, even if you're not a Star Wars fan. Number six seems to be okay. You know, I think it shouldn't drop past number 10, but if it held a number nine or eight spot, I would I would understand. Number five, Twilight Struggle, another former champ.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably the, the reason it's still up here. I mean, this game is brilliant. It's fantastic. It's a long two-player game, and for people who prefer war games and those types of themes... This is the alternative to War of the Ring or Rebellion. I really enjoy it, but it's not 100% my type of game. I'm not going to say it should go lower, but I won't be surprised if it continues to drop step by step over the next few years.
1: Yeah, just because it's a little played out and because it's the same game again and again, it's still a top game. But I think this game should drop. Number four, Terraforming Mars. This is one of
0: my favorite games in the last few years, but even I will admit that number four is a little high for a game that just came out two years ago and that admittedly has several issues with it. This is quintessential cult of the new, pushing a game higher possibly than it needs to be. And sheer volume of people who voted on it too, 32,000 is a lot of votes for a game that only came out two years ago. So... I think it should be lower, but that does not reflect my thoughts on the game where it's probably still a top 10 game for me.
1: Yeah, this game should be lower. And once again, as you said, not because it's a bad game, just because there are fundamental problems with the game that the other games in this top 10 don't typically have. So if it was, let's say, number 15, I think it would be probably in a good spot. Number three, Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization. This game has been up here forever. Um,
0: We talked about Through the Ages, just a story of civilization before. That used to be up here. There are two entries, of course. That other one should be booted to, to make the list cleaner. This one is the new edition, and it is, as the name says, a newer, more fantastic, better polished version of that game. Combined with the app, which is, in my opinion, the best board game app out there, this is just a fantastic civilization building game just really really solid a bit long but if you can play it on the app or if you have you know two or three people to play it with uh over the course of a couple days fantastic game i'm happy with it here in the top five i think it is again the best civ game that you can pick up so and civ games are among my favorite genres so i'm happy to see this up here
1: yeah for me this game should rise i know it's at number three but I would not have a problem with this game being number one or number two, the way that it integrates civilization building game in such a simple process. And it's just a phenomenal design. Drop off the old version, and I think this new version would jump up a lot more. Number two, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. All right, so this is where it gets tricky,
0: because this is my favorite gaming experience of all time. But I also hear people's argument that it's not really in the same category as a lot of these board games because it is a legacy game, which I think you've mentioned a couple of times. I think, as you said, separate list. But if we have to compare these all together, it is really, really good. It just makes it difficult. I know when it hit number one originally, it just caused a lot of frustration for that reason. And I was among those people, even though I love it. I gave it a 10. But should it be on this site? Should it be on this list?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I think there needs to be a separate list just because it, the game does need to be honored for its outstanding design, but I think it's unfairly rated because it's a one and done situation. You enjoy it that one time and that's really all there is to it. So what are you really rating on where other games are rated on multiple plays? So it's a little unfair as far as I'm concerned, great game, but definitely needs to kind of find a different place. And finally, BG's top 100 game for November 2018, Gloomhaven.
0: Gloomhaven, yes. Gloomhaven was already number four last year with only 4,800 voters because it had a nine rating. It still has an 8.9 rating <laughs> with 20,000 voters. So I don't think it can drop, to be honest. I think it'll take another game like Gloomhaven to make this one drop. It's going to be up here for a long time. It is... My favorite dungeon crawl period, very puzzly, very euro ish. It definitely drags on a bit long if you're actually trying to play out the campaign. I certainly will not do that anytime soon, but captured a lot of people. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's up here for good. Well, not for good, but for a long time.
1: Yeah, I have the same issues with this as I do Pandemic Legacy, just because once again, it's a one and done. It's wonderful that it branches out, it's wonderful that there's hundreds of hours of gameplay, but. Even if you just rate it just as a game, it's way too samey for me. Each and every dungeon crawl, hack and slash, play your cards, hack and slash, play your cards. It doesn't deserve to be number one, whether it's a legacy version or just because it's a lot of the same each and every time. Drop it down, put it on another list. It's a great, great design, but not my number one. All right, Anthony, so that is... BGD's top 100, hopefully our Rise and Fall and our classic Hall of Flame and our, there should be a different list for some of these legacy games, will inspire others to take up these games, get them to the table, enjoy them. And I think by this time next year, we'll see a much different list. So we'll have to check back and see how we did. All right, so that's everything for this week, but not the end of BGA. There are additional episodes that are not on your bga feed they're on our patreon feed so jump on as anthony mentioned is our brand new contest it's the best time to join us at the table you get so many benefits including brand new episodes where we talk about everything tabletop until next time this is chris and this is anthony and we'll save you a seat at the table